Welcome to our Forever Young Podcast, where we chat about ways to keep our bodies and minds young, because you're never too old to become younger. My name is Christiana Eggy. And my name is Sherry Marichu. Hello, Sherry. How are you? I'm great. It's been so busy. But did you know that June is ALS Awareness Month in Canada? I've been wrapped up in preparing our annual 5K walk and our new event, Foodie Fest for ALS. That's awesome. You have been quite busy recently, you know, doing all sorts of events to raise funds to advance ALS research with a goal to finding a cure one day soon. You should be very, very proud of your hard work and all these good things that you are doing for ALS. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Christiana. I know sometimes I do get wrapped up in what I am doing, but, and it is easy to lose sight of what our our main and final goal is, and that truly is to find a cure for ALS. But because it is almost ALS Awareness Month, I thought it would be a really good time to share my ALS story with our friends and listeners, and also to help raise awareness for ALS Awareness Month. By all means, Sherry, go right ahead, please. So you know what time it is. Grab your walking shoes or a big mug of something refreshing and join us for a chat on ALS. So Sherry, most people probably have heard about ALS by now because of that ice bucket challenge a few years ago. Oh, that's right. Do you remember the challenge, Christiana? Did you do it? It was the summer of 2014, already almost eight years ago. I can't believe that. <laughs> and I can't actually remember if I did it or not. Oh, but no. Yeah, you know how much I love cold water. <laughs> but That's I right. remember being in the backyard with the family and the kids participating in it. So I, so, I don't think I really did it. <laughs> but but you mean you helped pour the cold water on the kids' heads? I did a very good job. Ice <laughs> and water, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they were screaming. So now I know I didn't do it. I just didn't. Yeah. And I felt it chill. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think the ice bucket challenge was a really great way to get ALS to the forefront of people's minds. And actually, it was the first time that many people even heard those three letters together, ALS. The ice bucket challenge was a really great way to raise funds also for ALS research. But I think where it fell short was educating people on what the disease actually was and what happens to people who live with ALS. You're right, because come to think of it, I don't remember us discussing ALS in any detail as a family. Sure that why most people participated, they did not learn any new information about ALS. ALS is a fatal disease. And to my knowledge, there's still no real treatment for ALS today. Is there, Sherry? No, there is not. So, Sherry, why don't you tell us what happens to someone who lives with ALS, please? Well, you're right with the first point. ALS is fatal. And everyone who becomes sick with ALS today will die from the disease. 
And most people lose their battle between 18 months and five years of their diagnosis. So when my brother lived with ALS, there was only one drug that could extend, potentially extend his life by a month or two. Today, there's a new drug that seems to extend life about six months, but still there's no drug that will stop the progression of ALS and there still is definitely no cure, not yet, which is what I always like to say when I say there's no cure for ALS, not yet. Um, Yes. Yeah. And so ALS also starts very differently for everyone. For my brother, it started in his leg. And for a friend of mine, it was with his speech. He began to slur his words like one might do if they were intoxicated. So what happens with ALS is that your motor neurons, and they're the motor neurons that relay the signals from your brain to your voluntary muscles, they die. And as they die, your voluntary muscles stop moving. And when you stop using muscles, they begin to atrophy, which means you they're basically rendered useless. And so your voluntary muscles are the ones you use every single day to walk and talk, brush your teeth, eat and hug loved ones. So people with ALS finally lose their battle with ALS when they're no longer able to take a breath on their own. That's really tough. One of the most difficult things that can happen to any family is to be faced with a terminal or debilitating disease. The emotional upheaval and the ensuing caregiver stress, the guilt, and eventually the burnout can destroy the very fabric that holds families together. Coming through it and being able to turn it all around and focusing on helping and supporting other families through their journeys while raising awareness and funding for ALS research for the cure is no small feat, Sherry. I applaud you, your mom, your late dad, your family, friends, and those wonderful volunteers that help you every time you plan events. You are contributing greatly to the advancement in research and ultimate cure. I am so happy with the work that you do with your passion, you know, your creativity. And so I just want you to please let our listeners know how you started ALS Double Play, please. Christiana, I feel like you just gave me an award. Yes, I (laughs) deserve so many of them, you know, it's tough. And just seeing how you approach it with such joy and enthusiasm you know, it's like, where is the pain? Because we're talking about your brother here, your younger brother. So that is very gut-wrenching, but look how you've turned it all around. So bravo. Thank you. Thank you so much, Christiana. I mean, like you talking about like families that have to face terminal and debilitating diseases, like I know that you've gone through it yourself as well. And, you know, thousands, millions of people are going through it today. It is a really difficult road. And I think that when you're in it, you just do as you can, right? And so I think for me, like coming out of it, I really wanted to turn that experience around and do something really positive with it. I don't 
at all want to downplay ALS because yes, it's a horrible, horrible disease to live with. It was awful. It was awful to watch my brother go through it. It was awful to watch my mom, who was my brother's primary caregiver, live with it. And you're right, the stress and the guilt and the burnout, it was not easy. I mean, Christopher lived with ALS for five years. Within one year of being diagnosed, he began using a wheelchair full-time. Within two years of being diagnosed with ALS, he began having trouble speaking. By year three, we began to puree his food and he lived almost exclusively at home in his lazy boy chair and almost never left home. He required round-the-clock care. He could not even scratch an itch or push his glasses up his nose or even change the channel on the TV on his own. And so the more I learned about ALS, the more I wanted to do something real to help the ALS community. And I really wanted to focus on research because as much as we know about ALS, we still don't know enough to stop it. And additionally, my brother noted that there were so many diseases that had all these big name celebrities behind them. I mean, ALS has Lou Gehrig, who was a major league baseball player, but that was in the 30s. And people don't necessarily know who he is. They might have heard of him and heard the greatest man speech or the luckiest man on earth speech, but like most people don't know Lou Gehrig anymore, right? And there's no person currently that's in the news that has passive ALS that people think of and they want to give to the disease, right? So, so many people have lived with the disease and they've lived through the horribleness of it that when their loved one is gone, they want to bury it all away. They want to bury the experience. They don't want to think about it. They don't want to talk about it anymore because yes, it can be very painful to talk about. But my brother, Christopher said, like, if we all stop talking about ALS and our loved ones that we've lost, then nothing will ever change for the disease and it won't get the attention that it deserves and a cure will never be found. And so I promised my brother that I would continue to tell his story And I took it one step further and made it now my life's work to raise awareness for ALS and fund ALS research. You're doing an amazing job. And I know Chris is looking down on you with such pride and joy. And, you know, even thinking about him while he was going through the journey himself, just to sort of put in perspective the type of family, type of heart that you all have. He wanted to use that to help others. That is so admirable. And, you know, I just completely, you have my full respect. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, you're doing great. And I know one day we'll celebrate the cure. Okay. That'll be amazing. (laughs) So can you please tell our friends and listeners and families actually what they can do to help with ALS awareness and, you know, maybe funding and, you know, doing something to try to help raise more awareness for the disease? Sure. And I I think first, Christiana, the first thing I would say is if you have a friend with ALS and you are healthy, I would say visit them, talk to them, communicate with them. Because one of the hardest things about this disease is that it usually does not affect your mind. So as your body falls apart around you, you are stuck in there. You're like a prisoner in your body 
and you watch and see and you feel everything, but you, people don't talk to you. People don't treat you the same way. And so I think for me, one of the hardest things was to watch people, his friends, family members not want to visit because they were afraid of saying the wrong thing because they didn't want to see him the way he was. He lost a lot of weight and he didn't look like himself anymore. But if you can visit, communicate with someone who has ALS and be there for them because more than anything, they're still a person. They're still a human being. And more than anything with, now. With feelings. Human yeah, with feelings. Yeah. Exactly. And more than anything, while they're sick, they need you. They need the love. They need the friendship. And I think another thing that people can do, and we've talked a lot about this through different podcasts, but is to help the caregiver. And you alluded to that a little bit earlier when we were talking about debilitating and diseases or terminal illnesses that, you know, families live with. If you can help a caregiver by taking over some of their time, if you can, you know, relieve their stress by cooking or driving for them or whatever it is, I would say do that. Because family caregiving is is so difficult and it doesn't stop. Even if there's another caregiver in the home, a family caregiver is always going to be the one who's sick that they they want. So like my, you know, even though my brother had a caregiver, he always wanted mom as well. And that can't be easy. No, not on her, not on him or anyone for that matter. Yeah. And and the thing about it is diseases such as this, and the other one is what I deal with every day, dementia. It's a very, very lonely disease. Like you said, people, yeah. some people run away. It's 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 just fear. It's the lack of awareness too. Like people don't know what to say. People don't know what it is. I'm sure that after this, if people know of anyone that is suffering from ALS, I'm sure they will go visit and talk to them. Now that that they they hear them, they can understand. Like, you know, families will say to me, oh, they 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 won't remember me anymore. You know, I I want to remember them just the way they were. I, I don't think my visit will be meaningful. No matter how much someone, no matter what stage of dementia people are, they still feel. Yeah. I say to them, they don't know me from Eve, but they find joy with me. Imagine you that they knew before. There's there's always a connection. And and so I'm just going to use this opportunity to reintroduce my description of the different types of caregivers. Yes. (laughs) As it relates to, you know, the the, the four groups. Remember the last podcast when we discussed um, burnout? I was struggling with, you know, three types of caregivers or three types of people in the world. But I've actually gone back to my research and there are actually four types of people in the world. Okay. And they are, you know, the, the first one is people that have been caregivers. So like yourself, you've been a caregiver, both for your brother and your dad. And the people who are presently caregiving. Okay. Right. It could be for someone that is ill or for your children or, you know, for someone, even mm-hmm. as teachers, you know, nurses, you know, they are current okay. caregivers. Then you have people who will become caregivers. 
They're not uh-huh. caregivers yet, but they will when they become caregivers, either to their family or friends, you know, even to their pets, right? right? And the last part is the people that we need caregivers. And I think we all fall into this category. For one day, and this is the one that I didn't want, remember? They did not like it the last time, but you know. No, I still but, don't like it. <laughs> the way I've analyzed it for myself now is that it's more like the circle of life. We will find ourselves at one point or the other in one of these categories. It's yeah. as certain as being born and as dying because we all were born, you know, and we're all going to die. And yeah. we're all going to either be caregivers or we're going to need caregivers. It can be <laughs> so, <laughs> so this should cause every one of us to be more sensitive more respectful and helpful towards caregivers, those people in our lives, our friends, our neighbors, Mm -hmm. because one day we will be on the receiving side. So I do hope that, you know, from listening to us talk about ALS, dementia, or, you know, caregiver burnout or burnout as as a, a whole, that, you know, we'll find ways to be more sensitive and patient. It's like, you don't know, you know, what's happening to people right so you just have to you know be your brother's keeper and sherry since june is als awareness month in canada is there anything special you have planned for als double play yes for sure okay so On Saturday, June 4th, we will be celebrating our fifth annual 5K walk. So it is the intentional walk for ALS. And it's just exciting because it's our fifth walk. And I, I remember my brother when he was sick and we had, we were attending another organization's walk. And at the end of it, my brother just looked at me and he's like, you could do so much better. And this was like before I even started the charity, right? And so I was like, really? And, you know, so I remember when we had our very first walk and Christopher was actually able to come in 2016 and he was so happy, you know, like he just had the biggest smile on his face the whole day. And, you know, I was so happy because so many people were there to support him, to support us in the charity. And it was really, really beautiful all around. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, this year we'll celebrate our fifth walk and it's going to be held at the Pride of Canada Carousel in downtown Markham, which is kind of cool because it's a new location for us. So new vibe. We're, we're going to have the carousel going for the little ones and the big ones. I mean, I enjoy the carousel ride also. Mm-hmm. And um, you can use that as after the walk to celebrate your 5k walk we always have food at our events because you know you need the everyone sustenance. loves food yeah uh, <laughs> <It's an> attraction <laughs> exactly and then we also do a raffle at the event as well for different prizes so that's saturday the 4th of june so find it on our website so everything all the information is on alsdoubleplay.com And then the week after, we have a brand new event called Foodie Fest for ALS. It's um, going to be on June 11th. 
and we're sort of just bringing together it's it's kind of a festival feeling so it's like food vendors drink vendors we're going to have performers merch vendors as well so this sort of started because and this is our very first one but this came because one of my friends mark who is als he said i want something where people can hang around a little bit more together Mm-hmm. spend more time together and you can mingle more and talk about ALS. So this is Foodie Fest for ALS and it's totally for Mark because we we talked long about it and and this is something that he wanted to see. So I'm really excited to bring that to it. And and you know like just talking about these two events it's all about the fun, the carousel, the food, the entertainment. We have a children's village and face painting. And it's all like, it's all positive vibes. When I first did my very first event, I remember someone saying to me, but ALS is really awful. It's an awful disease and you shouldn't downplay it. And I said, yeah, totally it is. But I don't want people to be depressed at my events. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I want people to enjoy the time there and I want them to leave feeling hopeful um, and feeling like they did something to help the ALS community. So for June, (laughs) for ALS Awareness Canada, we have these two events and I really hope to see you at least at the walk. I'll be there looking forward to it. And you know, something that caught my attention was how your brother Chris told you you could do better when you took him for the first walk. <laughs> and now Mark is coming up with something like this. Like, I mean, what's the best thing that brings people together? Food and drink, right? Yeah. yeah. So that is beautiful because they're going through it and they're thinking, how do we make this better? How yeah. do we help other people, right? How do we make, you know, we may not live, but we're going to make sure we leave our footprint through mm-hmm. something, you know? So that is so beautiful. And, you know, you know you're talking about this event and you are so happy and joyful, but it takes a lot of creativity and hard work to plan events and to make them successful. I know you are stressed. I know, you know, <laughs> but still you still have that passion and, you know, you, you and your volunteers and your entire family, you guys have such big hearts. And so, again, really, really proud of your work. And I kudos to all volunteers out there, not just yours, but generally speaking. Yes. Because without volunteers, we can't really get anything done. You know, such wonderful, caring people. So thank you for your selfless service, volunteers. Thank you for saying that, Christiana, because I am only one person and Mm -hmm. I come up with these crazy amazing things that we do. Yes. But there is no way I could do this on my own. I rely on a gigantic group of volunteers. Now there is a small group that does a lot of work throughout the year that helped me through this. But at our events, we have the most amazing volunteers. And we just had an event on the weekend and the the comments from the participants about the volunteers were all incredible. And that is to me, the most amazing thing ever, because, you know, whether they're adults or young high school kids, they all gave it 
their all. They Mm -hmm. were there. They showed up. They had energy. They had smiles on their faces. It was incredible. And, you know, the volunteers also help make the event because we're all around the people all day. And, you know, I, (laughs) my volunteers are really amazing and I am so happy with them. Yes, that's awesome. Again, thank you to everyone. For making Sherry shine to help <laughs> the less. Yeah. Thank you. Thank in you, Christine. In this lifetime, yes. So I think if there's one last thing that I want people to know about my brother and my family's experience with ALS is that ALS is different for everyone that goes through it. So my friend Mark that I, I talked about, he's lived with ALS for almost eight years now. And I have another friend who was just diagnosed last year with ALS and the progression has been really, really quick. It's so, it is so hard. You know, that, that one guy who was just diagnosed last year, like if you looked at him, he would look like any person on the street. You wouldn't think anything is wrong with him. He could even drive a car still, you know, he's very mobile. But if you tried to talk to him or have a meal with him, you would know right away that something was not right. And so I think, you know, we talked about this before and you you alluded to it earlier, but the message is the same. Like, just be kind because you have no idea what people are going through. Like, you know, people could look completely well. Like, I remember when my brother first started using a wheelchair, he did not look sick at all. He looked like a young person using a wheelchair spot at the mall and someone you'd shake your head at, right? But yeah, so I would just say to be kind always. And sometimes, you know, when you're in a rush and and you're feeling burnt out, it's difficult. But we all, we don't know what people are going through. No, we don't. Appearances are very deceitful. Like, I would say, don't be quick to judge. Be very open-minded and forgive very easily because unless you are able to walk a mile in other people's shoes, how many people can you walk a mile in their shoes? Especially with the pandemic, people are so burnt out. People are stressed. We're in a mental health crisis. So people are short-fused. There were, I think a couple of weeks ago, my daughter sent me a little video clip of somebody pushing a lady, a, a, a lady pushing another lady into the subway, the, 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 tra- uh, the track. Like, I mean, if there was a, a train coming, oh, yeah. it would be killed, right? And um, apparently one of her girlfriends was attacked on the street downtown. A lady just, you know, attacked her, pushed her down, started beating up on her. There are so many weird things happening out there. But when you really look at these people, what's really happening? They are dealing with mental health issues. They have either because they have not sought help or they don't know where to seek help or, you know, don't have, I wouldn't say the means because we have free healthcare here in Canada, but I don't know. Or people just don't know. They don't even know something is happening. They've lost it. So rather than, you know, taking offense or someone is yelling at you, don't yell back, just, you know, walk away and just be mindful that, People, you don't know what people are going through. Have more compassion and be more empathetic, you know. And, you know, checking with your families and friends. 
In, if if you're not seen someone, you haven't talked to someone for a while, check in on them, see how they're doing. And if you feel somebody needs help, you know, try to help them, you know, encourage them or, or just maybe call another person that you know they will listen to. So just, you know, be more sensitive. And, you know, with diseases, people that are developing, uh, getting ALS or people with dementia or any type of disease, no one subscribes to a disease. It just happens. Right. <laughs> I to say, like I remember when I had an interview, when I first started working in, in Canada at the mental health center, I, I went to Disney at Disney World with my husband, came back and I caught chickenpox. I didn't know what that was back in Nigeria. I think we've practically eradicated chickenpox, but I got it. And yeah. I'm like, it's like they, they lock up the dart. You don't know. Yeah. It can happen right. to anyone. So just be mindful because we don't know who is going to, you know, end up with ALS or dementia or, or cancer or something. So just, you know, do your best, be healthy, eat well, sleep well, exercise <laughs> yeah. early, right? That's right. Brains, whole foods. There are so many things. Be mindful and restful. There are lots of things that we can do to help maintain our health. And if we are successful, as Sherry thinks we can be, we will not need caregivers. That's right. (laughs) 200 and one day we sleep and not wake up, right? That's a dream. But nonetheless, there, there are certain things we can prevent and there are certain things that, you know, just happens. So just be sensitive, respectful, and mindful of other people's feelings. So thank you for allowing me to share a little bit more about ALS and what we're doing for ALS Awareness Month. We can always use volunteers for our events, so please reach out if you're in the greater Toronto area. After all, giving your time is one of the greatest forms of charity, and charity keeps us all young at heart. I'm Christiana Eggy. And I'm Sherry Marie Chu. See you next time on Forever Young. Until then, keep smiling because you're never too old to become younger. The Forever Young podcast is created and produced by Christiana Eggy and Sherry Marie Chu. And it is produced and engineered by Elise Hill. The podcast represents our opinions and those of our guests. The content should not be taken as medical advice. It is for informational purposes only. And because each person is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Special thanks to the Ella Accelerator for bringing Christiana and Sherry together. If you like the show, please tell your friends and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. New episodes are available every other Wednesday. Have questions? Email us at ourforeveryoungpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram and Facebook under Our Forever Young Podcast. Thank you for listening.